Welcome to Makers on the Rise, a collaborative podcast hosted by me, maker and photographer, Christina Nicole. Makers on the Rise is for product-based creatives who own their own business and want to learn how to grow a profitable, sustainable, and scalable brand aligned with their personal values and goals. Tune in for real conversations and coaching focused on elevating your brand. Are you ready to rise? Hello loves, welcome to episode seven of the Thriving on Etsy series. Today I have Julio Chavez from the Copy ID joining me to talk with you about how to get or ask for reviews that will help convert shoppers into buyers. Julio, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're currently doing? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, so in regards to, uh, you know, copy ID and, and everything, the biggest thing that we do is we help uh, maker brands, um, e-commerce brands, et cetera. We help them understand their their funnels, their copy, all that. So that way they can actually convert these visitors that they're getting as opposed to just getting some random traffic from, let's say, Etsy and uh, you know, it ends up not really, really being anything uh, to write home about. You know, our goal is to make it to where you can work um, and make an income on your from your passion, which I think is is important in today's day. Instead of uh, you know just staying in a cubicle all day and and spending you know eighty hours working for somebody else. Um, and, you know, and I think what we were going to talk to uh, people today about on this podcast was going to be about um, how to actually run those testimonials and not just ask for them, but how to structure them, uh, the questions in a way that allows you to use such a vital piece of confirmation um, to convert more. But we'll kind of get into that in a second. So as far as like copy ID goes, um, your wife, Darian, did... And I don't know if you were part of this back in the day or not, but she wrote all of my Etsy listings um, and she did all of my press releases. And then I think she kind of transitioned from, so that I can understand this, transitioned from actually doing for makers to teaching makers. And is that when you kind of came into the realm of it all? Yeah, you know, I would, um, yeah, I was a corporate sales manager for a long time. And so, um, you know, I know she, she was doing this and she was trying to explain to me about, you know, the importance of copywriting and, and understanding all that. And, and uh, so in fairness to her work, she was the one that, you know, helped you out for sure. Um, but, you know, I think since the beginning, I was, I was at least influential. I was able to say, hey, you know, maybe um, you should talk about this because it's about sales at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I think a lot of people fail to understand is that um, yes, you want to write in a way that is uh, communicative with your your customer, but at the end of the day, you're still there to make money and you're there to, for them to make a purchase from you. So it's a very simple sales thing that that happens all the time whenever I would train employees. It was just, there's usually two extremes where it's like either the person has no care or empathy for the customer and they just care about a paycheck at the end of the week. And then that's like that sharky cart sales mini bad rap that you know mm-hmm. salespeople get. Or you'll have the opposite end, which they're like, I just want to be their best friend and be so no pressure that you never actually make any money because you're never actually asking them to make a purchase. And then you're just let, you know, then you're just best friends, but then they buy from John Doe down the street. And you know that John Doe's, you know, jewelry is, is fake or cheaply made or outsourced or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Find that balance, so, like uh, that middle ground. <laughs> 
Right. You know, so that's sort of my, my, my thought process in terms of all sales training. In general, uh, Darian was the one that handled it. Uh, I came in towards the back end when she started actually coaching and whatnot, because we moved from Texas to Hawaii. And I was like, hey, you know, let me help you out. Let's uh, start this whole, you know, home business thing. Yeah, it's been going ever since. We've been uh, thoroughly enjoying it. Darian is also active duty military. So she has taken a bit of a step back in terms of uh, hosting copy ID and whatnot. For right now, it's, it's primarily me. So again, anybody wants to reach out, uh, feel free to hit me up. That's awesome. And I've loved, and thank you for answering that, that question, because I was just wanting to understand kind of the dynamic of where it kind of started and how it's grown. It's so fun when you've been in the industry long enough to where you can actually, because we're always evolving and changing, right? Like, and being able to, you know, I met her probably back in 2000, maybe early 2016, but being able to watch everything, you know, evolve and, you know, how things change and move and you go into it. And then I love that you guys partnered up and worked together with that because the point that you made about sales is so incredibly important. And that's a misconception in regards to product photography as well, because you and I talked about this at one point, copy and product photography are actually very similar in the sense that it's all, you know, it's all about attraction and conversion. So providing people with the right information, uh, whether that's visually or verbally is super important. So let's, First, let's jump in 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 regards to Etsy sellers. So one thing that Etsy sellers seem to, I see a lot of times in groups, Etsy sellers will ask like, hey, I sold, you know, my first couple of products. How do I get reviews? Or can I ask for reviews? Or can I even communicate with the customer? So can we talk about reviews just in general and how is it appropriate for Etsy sellers to be asking for reviews? And if so, kind of how do they go about doing that? Sure. So when it comes to Etsy itself, it's sort of a, a little convoluted. And, and just because uh, primarily Etsy wants the person, they want to be in control. So they'll send Etsy itself, the company will send, a, usually send an email asking, you know, for some sort of survey feedback, you know, like rate this uh, seller. That's not good enough for you. The reason why is because even if people enjoy it and like it and everything's going great, as the consumer, I don't understand what it is that, that you need from me in your business. So what you'll end up seeing, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to already experience this, or they're going to be experiencing this, is they'll get, you know, five-star reviews, but all it says at the end is like, love it or pretty. And, and that's just not, that's not enough. That's not enough to convince anybody anything. Like if you just took yourself out of it for one second, made yourself completely objective and you just said, okay, if all I could base my purchase decisions on is a picture of this image, I like it, but I don't know anything about the seller. I don't understand how you know well it's made. For all I know, it could be made in a factory in China somewhere. Like, so let me just look at this. And I look at this review and this review says five stars and all it says is pretty. Like how likely are you to make that purchase of that $400 ring? Like that doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't connect in a way that says, Oh, okay. I trust the seller. Oh, okay. I understand that this is going to, that this is great value. I understand that it's well-made. I understand that if I order it, I'm going to actually get it in time for my event or wedding or whatever it is, you know, like, so those are the things that I try to really push in terms of uh, testimonials and reviews for particularly e-commerce brands, but it really works regardless of whether it's B2B or B2C. 
It's just one of those things that is sort of a lost and forgotten art form. You know, there's a million and a half courses uh, and classes and webinars and all that about Facebook ads or, but such a vital piece just goes missing. People just say, yeah, add three or four reviews at the end of your landing page and you're good to go. But it's like, well, what should the reviews say? What should mm-hmm. they talk about? Why should anyone care? Should we, you know, what sort of images should I use? What sort of uh, customer should I use? And this is where reviews themselves tie into even uh, something as simple as like your customer avatar, um, like the demographics behind it and all that, like understanding who is purchasing mm-hmm. so they feel represented. Okay. So because you have such expertise in sales, can you kind of break it down for the listeners and kind of explain, I don't know how to put this the exact way, but kind of the sales process. So there's different types of buyers, right? And sometimes buyers buy off emotion, like they're immediate, right? And then sometimes they need a little bit more information. And that's kind of where, as they go through, they get closer to buying and correct me if I'm wrong, but when they get closer to buying, that's when they're starting to look at their reviews, right? They need just a little additional information to kind of push them over the edge. So can you kind of, with your, your sales experience, can you kind of talk us through a little bit of like that, that buyer process of like, Hey, we found the listing or, Hey, we're getting closer to buying and how critical like a review can actually like the role it plays basically. And actually finally getting them to click that add to cart button. 100%. So I'm going to break this down in kind of two two different ways. So if you're thinking about um, the different kind of personalities as far as like the way people buy, whether it's someone who's super detail oriented and they're going to read every single word on this listing, um, or you have people who like, they just see it, they love it, and they want to just like reach the bottom, or you have people that are even like, I don't know, emotionally invested in your company, and they want to really know all about sourcing material and all that, all of that really ties into the reviews that you're going to end up having. And more than that, even those different personality types are going to be looking at your reviews in in different parts of that funnel. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. If somebody is like super no nonsense and they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they know what they want. That the kind of person who just walks into a store says, I want this, wrap it up, let's go, as opposed to doing all the shopping or getting to know what the material is made out of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that person We'll look, and I'll just say use Etsy as an example, since this is what we're primarily talking about. But it's it's really regardless whether you sell sell on Amazon or your own website or whatever. They that what they'll instinctively do is they're going to look at the image, they're probably going to look at the price, and then they're going to look at the little you know four star five star review thing on the bottom, and it'll say like seven thousand, and it'll have four and a half stars, and then that's something that right there. They don't care about the details. They don't care, mm-hmm. you know, like who's making it, why it's made this way. They just go, Oh, cool. Yeah. 200 bucks, 7,000 people like it. So it's what it is. It's a confirmation mm-hmm. of them saying, I want to get this. They may not even actually read it, read it, but they might skim through one or two just to see the top ones. And then they hit buy. Now you're going to run into the exact same situation with someone on the opposite end, who's more detail oriented. And they're like, man, I want to learn everything about this product. And it's going to take me three days to go through this entire listing because I'm going to uh, look at everything. Um, every time they make a claim about something that, you know, maybe they say sapphires are one of the world's most uh, rarest stones. Like they're going to Google it. They're going to figure mm-hmm. out, you know, like what, what is, uh, what makes sapphire so rare and all, you know, they're going to go into so many different avenues, but they're still going to stay on your page. So you better believe that when they get to the point, whether it's in the middle or in the bottom 
um, and they're looking at these reviews, they're going to read a hundred different reviews. They're, they're not somebody that's going to just say, oh, here's four stars, pretty, and go add to cart for this $400 piece. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, you know, they're, they're going to want to know that in-depth, per, the in-depth reasoning behind why this person gave you a five-star review, why this person gave you a four-star review. And they're going to really be trying to figure that out. Uh, and see the differences and look at pictures and videos and images and all that stuff. So the reviews really are, this is why it's like so crazy to me that it's just become this thing that people just throw away because Mm -hmm. reviews are so important. And I'll give you one more example before, excuse me, before we we move on. It's like a little hack. So anybody who wants to do this, go ahead, feel free to steal it from me. Um, But it's something we've done even in our business when we work with done like ads and stuff for other clients who, you know, are at that stage. We'll actually set up like our ads to be more about like engagement metrics. So like likes and comments and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll reuse that exact same ad because you can do that in the Facebook ads uh, mm-hmm. library, at least currently. You can literally like use that exact ad and then turn that ad into a conversion ad. And then all those reviews and likes and stuff stay there. Like so all those comments and whatnot. So the reason mm-hmm. why that's important, you've probably done this on Instagram a million times where you scroll through something and let's just say it's some software right? Let's say it's a software to show you how to post uh, like a, like almost like a buffer, you know, like a, we post on your social media for you start free now. Okay. And almost like you just look and if there's like one comment and you click it and you open it and it just says like fire or it has like an emoji or something, (laughs) you don't have this visceral reaction of like, wow, this company must be impressive. This company must be killing it they must really be competitive with buffer et cetera, et cetera. you just think like you don't even really it just doesn't you become neutral you don't hate mm-hmm. it you don't love it and in the world of sales and marketing neutral is death like people who don't care about you that's the worst part you know that's the that's the last thing you want and then let's say you keep scrolling on that instagram feed and you see this other one you know another one that's just like it but instead it has a thousand comments it has you know twelve thousand likes and you click it and people are asking questions. Some people love it. Some people are saying this is stupid, whatever buffers better. It doesn't really matter what they're saying. The point is you, you saw it and you said, wow, this has 12,000. You are so much more inclined to at the very least click sign up now or learn more now and go into their landing page. You can even see this as simple as like Amazon. Let's say you have two exact op, uh, same pieces basically like you can't even tell the difference between them but one when you look at it it has 10 reviews and it has five stars this one has 12,000 reviews and has four stars you are much more inclined to do the one that has 10,000 reviews with even if even though technically it was one star less because you're like they have it's a it's a numbers game you're you're able to understand and say wow these people are popular. These people are actually producing, like you have no idea these, you know, that had 10 five-star reviews, like, who are they? What do they do? How do I know that this company is even legit? Like, it's just one of those things that you just, you don't want to be scammed. So by following the herd, you feel like there's no way that all of us can be wrong. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. And it's so interesting that you brought it up because as you were walking us through that, I was thinking to myself, like, He's so right. We do it without even thinking. Like when you're scrolling through, just say Facebook and you see an ad and it has no likes, no comments. It's like your interest isn't even like 
you scroll, but if you see an ad that, yeah. so the ad grabs your attention a little bit, and then you notice that it has a thousand shares and 2000 comments, you're like, Ooh, people right. are talking about this. People are sharing this. Exactly. What am I missing here? What am 100%. I not a part of? Because not only is it, do we not want to be scammed? We have that herd mentality that we want to be in the know, right? Like we want to know what sure. people are talking about. So yeah. that's super, cause I never really thought about it that way. Like I, especially being photography person, visual person, we're always looking at, you know, visuals and copy that's going to like attract and stop people in their tracks. But that's just that next step that gets, so that's the attraction phase, right? That's grabbing their attention, getting them to actually stop. But by people engaging and participating in that conversation, it does definitely entice you to want to be a part of that. And then, so I have a question for you. There's a second mm -hmm. part here that you mentioned, and I actually it was a question that I was going to have for you and you went ahead and brought it up. What is better? The yeah. five-star review with a hundred mm -hmm. people or the 4.3 star review with 5,000? Because I think, especially with Etsy sellers, Etsy sellers, especially with this new seller badge, they get so stuck on five-star reviews, five-star reviews. And I think four-star reviews are horrible. In a perfect world, we would all get five-star reviews all the time, right? I think the issue with that is, uh, I think the issue that most Etsy sellers have is when the feedback isn't necessarily pertained to the product, but instead like maybe like the box got, you know, was crushed when it arrived. And it's like, well, I have no control over that. Why are you rating me, right? Or maybe somebody had an issue with the, the chain. Uh, I'm just using like a chain as an mm -hmm. example. And, you know, you say on your thing, you go, no refunds past 72 hours of receipt or something like that, right? Let's just throw a random example. And then it's been five days and then they message you saying, I want a refund. And then you go, well, no, because of my policy. Mm -hmm. And then they leave you a bad review. And I've seen that tons of times. Um, there's a place called Reddit. I don't know if you know anything about it, mm -hmm. but, you know, there's a lot of, you can go to like subreddits for Etsy sellers and all that stuff. And I've seen so many people having issues with this. And so the one thing I will say, because there's there's certain things that you can control and there's certain things that you can't control. The things that you can control, you need to handle with care. You need to be customer focused and customer centric because those reviews matter, right? Mm -hmm. And so basically what I'm saying is don't get so tied up in the money that you're just like, I'm going to lose this customer and I'm going to have this bad review on my record and all this stuff because she's two days late from asking for a refund. It's that golden principle, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. do unto others what you would like to be done to you. Like take care of them first because one customer, when you have good experiences, a customer might maybe give you a review. When you give a, a bad experience to a customer, they're going to tell everybody and their mom. They're going to post it on Facebook. They're going to post mm -hmm. it on Twitter. They're going to make a TikTok video saying how crappy this product is or how terrible you are as a person. Like they're going to tell anybody, especially in today's day and age where mm -hmm. they can have access to that. And suddenly one person's a bad opinion about you can be spread to thousands or tens of thousands of people. So the best thing you can do is stay customer uh, service centric and take care of them. But to answer your question, if there was like a hundred five-star reviews and there were whatever it was that you said, a thousand, maybe uh, 4.3 star reviews, the person with a thousand 4.3 star reviews will, and this is like not even debatable, will get more sales. And it's part of that part of the reason why is because 
not only the review part, but because of the amount of purchases and the amount of content that's being pushed to them. Mm -hmm. um, Etsy, Amazon, all these people are going to algori algorithmically, man, that's a hard word for me, <laughs> um, showcase their products above yours, you yes. know, the, above the person that's at 100 reviews, even though they're five stars. So it's, it is a numbers game to some extent. So yes, reviews are good. Five stars is ideal. Obviously we all want to be excellent. Sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes it's in your control and you actually sent out a product that had a defect. Like there's a million other things that can happen. So you need to swallow that a little bit, take care of it, reply back, let people see that you are actually talking to the customer and you're saying, I'm going to handle this, I'm going to deal with it because people will see that you had a, a good response opposed to replying back and saying, tough crap. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's on my policy. Get out of here. Because then people are going to say, okay, anytime I buy from this person, if I have an issue with it, they're going to tell me the, to the same thing. Does that make sense? So it's sort yeah. of a two-party answer. So you're talking, yep. and I want to just ask this question because you brought it up there a little bit, but you're talking about getting seen more just because we're going to be ranking based on more sales, right? So we're, we're not only dealing with, I talk about robot versus like, you know, human, there's only so much in our control. Like we can connect with the customer, we can, you know, communicate with them, but in regards to other aspects, you know, computers are becoming smaller, the algorithms, artificial intelligence, all that is becoming smarter and it's taking away some of that control. But when you're looking at like the human person who sees large numbers versus a higher star rating and smaller numbers, because I want people to understand, because like I said, Etsy sellers in general, just they get so disappointed under that five-star aspect. And I think it has to do with the handmade aspect of it. We put so much oh, into our, our products, sure. right? That we do take it personal when somebody has something bad to say. So what's your opinion on that as far as like what makes us more attracted to the higher number versus the higher rating? Um, it's just, it, to be honest, it's purely from biological ancestry. It's, it's just how our brains work. It's, mm -hmm. uh, as you were mentioning, you know, it's that tribe mentality. It's wanting to make sure that you are ahead of the curve, that you're not. And it's also what I was saying in terms of the negative, where you don't want to be scammed. You don't want to, you know, lose your money, your hard-earned money. You don't want to do all these things. So you want to ensure that you are getting the best possible outcome if you look at it as a risk to reward ratio. Now, you know, who doesn't really have this issue is like Walmart. You go to Walmart's website, even if it has no reviews on a, you know, whatever, a bench press or whatever it is, trampoline that you're looking at, you'll still buy it. The reason why is because it's, it's a trusted source already. It's mm -hmm. walmart.com. You clicked it, you bought it, and you know, like, okay, it's available for pickup right now. I can go and get it. And if I don't like it, I can go back and I can yell at the customer service. You know, like you can, you know that you have a form of control, but when we're going on Etsy and Amazon and stuff, you have no idea where these companies are located. You'd have mm -hmm. no idea, you know, are these people real? You don't even know if the, to be honest with you, that's because this is becoming more and more prevalent. You don't even know if the reviews are real. I think Amazon got in trouble with that recently where there were some manufactured uh, reviews from robots that people just paid to get some five-star reviews to try to game the system. And in, in relation to the algorithm, it's one of those funny things because it's like both incredibly complicated and like you were saying, just gets, get, keeps getting smarter and smarter and also incredibly simple. And what I mean by that is um, it's almost like, I, I like to think of it kind of like you were talking about, like in terms of a human, uh, like if you like kept 
going down like microscopic levels to of a human, like then yeah, we are super complicated. When you start looking at yeah, red blood cells and and how arteries work and what's connected to what and and neurons firing and all, like we are incredibly complicated. But then if you just said, hey, are you hungry? Here's a burger. It's like, yeah, I want a burger. You know, like it, it's also mm-hmm. like, we're also not that complicated in a macro level. And so when you think of algorithms, I like to, you know, you got to think of them from a macro level. Like don't get too stuck in the weeds. Cause yeah, there's there's are things that we can't control. However, the testimonials, the comments, um, the likes, all these things are things that Although we can't force people to do it, we can do things that allow for more engagement, that allow for, for more feedback. And then as you comment and people reply to your comment, you're starting that snowball effect. Humans and AI in this way are very similar in terms of you see all these comments, AI is doing the same thing. So I heard the other day somebody goes, well, the big problem with Facebook is Facebook is, is purposely showing you inflammatory information and that's what's ruining our country. Okay. That's actually not true. Like that's not how the algorithm works. Are they going to show you inflammatory information? Yeah. Why though? If you think of it from a macro level, it's purely because at the biggest scale, the algorithm is based on ones and zeros. And basically it's, it's based on, did this person interact or did they not? Did they scroll right past? So the things that are getting us upset and annoyed and they're, they're making us, the algorithm saying, did this person look at this for more than half a second? Yes, based on your scrolling, whether it's stopped on your screen or not. Did this person make a comment? Yes, well, there's five points for that. You know, one point for did that stop the scroll? Uh, did this person also throw a like or some sort of reaction, mad face, whatever? Yes, there's another, there's three points for that. So like that one post, now that algorithm is saying, this post, it doesn't have any idea what's in the post, but it's saying this post, whatever it is, people tend to have some sort of emotional investment in. So I'm going to showcase it more. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And so that's why it's like when you have, whether it's ads organically on your social media, whatever, when you have the ability to stop the scroll through awesome photography, when they can read your stuff and and actually want to click over, which is going to be another metric that the algorithm looks at, like, did they actually Mm -hmm. go to this website that pointed to something. And if you can do all that and get some sort of reaction, positive reviews, hopefully testimonials, people asking questions and you responding and doing all that stuff, the algorithm is just going to continue to push yourself because all it sees, it doesn't, it's not reading everything. It's not trying to figure you out or hate you or love you. All it sees is this thing had a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. That's it. Or this thing did not get a lot of interaction. The thing that doesn't get a lot, they push to the bottom. The thing that gets the most, they push to the top. You know, and you can debate on politically whether or not that should be the case and whether there should be some sort of monitoring or whatever, and that's fine to debate. But at the current stage, if I had to just break it down into a nutshell, that is what we're talking about, which is why I said like reviews and all that stuff, comments, engagement metrics are really one of the things that get pushed to the side but needs to be a main focus for sure, especially in today's day and age. So it has no way of detecting whether the interaction is positive or negative. And going back to the comment you made about reviews in general and how people are more likely to share a bad experience versus a good experience. 
it's kind of the same thing, right? If they're scrolling through Facebook and they see something that pisses them off, they're going to be more likely to engage with that versus not. And the algorithm can't tell whether it was a positive or negative engagement per se. It just sees, hey, this person engaged and it's going to boost us. So one question quick, as far as Etsy sellers go, because people selling on Etsy, this isn't across the board, but Etsy makes it so easy for people to start a business, right? With no mm-hmm. actual business knowledge, right? They, they do the marketing right. for you. They, they, take, they take away a lot of those barriers. So a lot of Etsy sellers don't necessarily understand how to run a customer like centric brand and how to mm-hmm. create a positive experience. So do you find that there's certain like elements that a lot of Etsy sellers are experiencing where they're going to get more negative reviews? Like when you go into to creating this concept around positive reviews and getting people to, you know, leave reviews, are we talking about removing some of the barriers that may cause negative reviews? Or are we just talking about like, Hey, let's reach out to this customer and find a way to get them to leave a positive review. So I think in a, in a kind of funny roundabout way, you know, because Etsy and, and Amazon and all these places make things so easy for you to um, start a business and you, you then go and see a million and a half different social media posts or whatever that are supposed to be motivational. It says like, I started with nothing and look at me now, I'm a billionaire or whatever. You know, you go like, okay, cool. What you don't understand is the amount of knowledge that you need to really have a, a good business that, that continues and, and is actually um, working with you and for you and the amount of hustle and stuff and dedication that you're going to have to put forth. Um, it was very, something that kind of resonates with me on that is uh, real estate. Like, you know, I've been getting my uh, real estate license uh, here in Nevada. And one thing that really made me think was, uh, you know, so many people it's really no different than having your own business because some like 80% of people fail in the first year. And it's because they have no idea. They thought, let me get this license. And then once that, that's the, that's the biggest thing they thought, well, let me get the license. And once that happens, then what you, how are you getting traffic? How are you getting people to buy? You know, like, and these are all the same situations that at, you're going to run into as an Etsy seller as well. Mm-hmm. So you really need to, before you start or while you're starting. Um, and for those of you that are struggling right now, you can kind of backtrack and you need to take a step and, and start learning, right? And not just look at random posts and say, well, I'm gonna try to just, you know, read a bunch of free blogs and hopefully that I'll figure it out. Because the problem is that you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. you don't understand the structure behind the business. You don't, you don't see um, from a bird's eye view, you know, how you're treating your customers or what sort of copy is, is ineffective because maybe you're holding on to that money so tight you don't, you know, you don't want to feel like you're, you're the one getting screwed over, uh, for lack of better wording, mm-hmm. that you, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm for, I refuse, outright refuse to, to do free shipping. Okay. Or they, I, I, tons of times I've been talking to people and they go, I don't do discounts. I go, okay. So what do you do for promotion? And they go, well, I do BOGO free shipping. Uh, and they name off like seven other things. I give them a free gift. I give them free washcloths, a jewelry kit. And I'm like, every single one of those are discounts because all a discount is in, in, when you think about it is a, you're making your, anytime a profit, your profit margin goes down, right? Mm-hmm. So any, to anything that you negatively affects your money is a discount, whatever, however you want to look at it. So when people go, 
well, you know, I read that this lady doesn't, you know, says that I should never discount. Okay, that's fine. But then you need to understand, like, how are you building that brand then to where you don't discount? Or what are you doing on the outside that um, allows you to uh, do other things besides discounts that are still affecting your bottom line, but keep your, your brand elevated from a monetary standpoint? So what I mean by that is, for example, like Gucci. Gucci doesn't isn't sending coupons in the Sunday newspaper for 30% off a purse. It's just not happening. They have a certain brand elevation. Mm -hmm. That being said, they do things for their customers that still affects their bottom line, whether that's champagne, whether that's one-on-one -on -one individual salespeople. Like those are all things that they have to spend money on. But the idea behind it is that you're, you're not asking for a discount because you know, because you have this elevated brand, um, but it's just another way that they handle, it's, it's effectively a discount without it being a discount. It's a discount in, the, in terms of like almost like service as opposed mm -hmm. to monetary. So for those of you uh, that are like, I want a high-end brand, great, perfect, do it. But then let's figure out how we can make this into like a white glove experience. You know, whether that's in terms of how it's shipped or the boxes that it comes in or whatever the case may be. Um, but I'm sorry, I think I went off the rails there. What? That's okay. What can I can I mention question? something quick though? Yeah. I, I love when we digress. It, like, I just love talking about business in general. So we're good. I like to associate that. I know you're talking about discounts, but more so just value. And some people use the term value mm -hmm. proposition, but can't remember the name of the book, but you talked about like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I kind of, I told my husband at one point in time, like as we're learning, you're working with different coaches or you should be. And we are taught as coaches to create a system that worked for us. Yeah. And our system that worked for us is not the end all be all. And the sad thing about a lot of coaching programs out there is they don't teach the principles behind the actual mm -hmm. like concept of running a brand or a business. They sure. teach a method that worked for them. So the principle never necessarily yeah. comes into play. They're just talking about the specific method that was beneficial for them, which won't always work for everybody. But one of the big things in this, so I went in search of like the concept, like you don't know what you, you know, don't know. And it was mm -hmm. like a, it's just a book on like, basically like it was an MBA, like getting your, you know, master's in business or whatever. And one of the first thing they teach is creating a product or creating something of value, not necessarily a product because it could be in your product or your service, but something of value that people want or need and value can come yeah. in so many forms. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because sometimes hearing things differently, like you're talking about discounts or all yeah. that, but just any way that you can add value, whether that's in with your actual physical product or with your service, um, in regards to more so. Okay. So my, my I have a question was kind of two part. It was, you talked a little bit about the first part, I think, which was, Hey, what are makers doing that are potentially setting them up for failure in regards to negative reviews, right? Because people are going to want to leave okay. reviews about their bad experience. Um, and then sure. going into this, the second part of it. So really taking the time to understand what it actually means to run a profitable business is going to help them kind of remove some of that bad experience. Is that kind of what you're mm -hmm. saying there? Yeah. In a nutshell. Mm -hmm. So that that's going to be the biggest part to it is just because you need to be able to learn what, you know, what to do, when you're faced with with decisions that uh, are going to be difficult, because you, again, you're not always going to have. Doesn't matter how good your product is or how good you are. There are some things that are just going to be out of your control. And so, by being able to kind of plan that out and know ahead of time how you're going to handle this, 
and give the best experience you possibly can, that's going to be a huge benefit to you. Uh, so you don't need, you know, yeah, I, I recommend coaches and things like that, but if you can even just think about it, just think about it real hard about like, what happens if somebody says this and what happens if somebody says that, how will I handle it? That at least will get you on the right track. So where you can say, okay, when this eventually does happen in six months, let me remember that I should not have an emotional response to this and tell this person to just kick rocks. Let me actually take care of this customer because the whole world uh, can see or hear um, mm -hmm. how I handle this. Yeah. And oh, and you, I think you mentioned also, uh, as far as like the second part, like how to actually go about getting the testimonials. Mm -hmm. So do you want me to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, let's jump into that because I think that's going to be like a big part of, of the meat and potatoes of all of it is just understanding like that you should be communicating with your customers. So go for it. hundred percent. So like, as I mentioned in the very beginning, like Etsy can make it a little difficult. So you do need to make sure that when you are sending out your products that you have the like business cards that say, you know, leave your review here or have a little QR code on the box or, you know, whatever it is that you can do to, to do that. You also uh, can message the people directly um, and say like, and you can always have a VA do this if you're so busy because you have so many orders, but you can have a, you know, message them quickly, copy and paste and say, hey, you know, your product's on its way. Whenever it comes in, I'm going to reach back out to you. Uh, do you mind if I ask for a review, if you have a good experience, something along those lines? And they'll say, oh, sure. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. Cool. You establish connection, which by the way, is super important. I know a lot of people don't like to do it because they fear that people are going to start bugging them, asking questions, you know, they're going to want refunds, right? Like they, they'd rather like say, pretend like the person doesn't exist. So that way they just, uh, they can take the money and be like, okay, I'm clear now. But it's like, mm -hmm. you know, having that aftercare is really uh, something that's going to separate you from the thousands upon thousands of other stores. So that's cool. That's the connection point. From there, once they actually receive the product, let's say you give it a few days uh, after receipt, you can, if you were connecting with them directly, you can resend a message and then give them a link to like a Google form. Um, or you can have that QR code that was in the, uh, uh, that was like on your business card that you put in the box. Maybe that QR code or the link that's on the, the business card um, directs to the Google form. And I say Google form, there's a bunch of different places, SurveyMonkey, all that stuff. But Google is free. It's not like incredibly pretty, but it's also not mm -hmm. ugly. It's just very simple, very straight to the point. So it's another free way that you can kind of utilize their service. So, you know, let's say you put it to uh, Google forms. Now on the forms, you want to ask questions that direct a response that you want. So what I mean by that is you don't want to have non-open-ended questions. So you don't want to just say, was your experience good? Because that's a yes, no. Uh, we don't want those because what can you do with that in terms of a testimonial? You're going to take somebody in the, you know, on your review and just put, Laura says, yes. Like, well, that doesn't do anything for you. Um, so what you want to do is say like, what was the thing that you loved most about your experience? Because they can't say yes, no. That doesn't make any sense to answer the question. But what they can say is, I loved how blank took care of blank. Or I love how quickly this got shipped to me or whatever. Fantastic. Now, I suggest don't make it like 15 questions long. But you do want to come up with like maybe your top three. Usually the three things from my experience that people have issues with is delivery, how quickly it gets actually delivered to you, price. So you need to have a questionnaire, again, an, an open-ended question that has uh, something in relation to value. And then what was it? I said delivery, price, 
and then oh and then like the actual avatar itself so like who who how did this help you you want to talk about like the desire aspect so it's not just like pretty this is pretty you want to understand the consumer so that in that for example using that question instead of just saying do you like it or even even saying something like what do you like about it which is open-ended is not good enough because they might just say it's pretty right you want to say like how did you feel putting this on something like that make it a little on the woo-woo side because by doing that they have to actually make a have a thought process and they Mm -hmm. have to say uh when i put it on i looked at myself in the mirror and i found i just i was floored I, I looked so gorgeous or, you know, my husband came in and helped me put it on and he just, it was amazing or, you know, whatever, like those statements are, is the thing that is going to be reflective when you use them on your site, that's going to push a consumer to actually make a purchase because you're starting to hit those emotional triggers while also hitting the logic triggers behind them by coming up with the uh, delivery. You know, if you have one, te- I'll just say, let's say you have three tes- uh, testimonials and that's all you have on your entire website. Well, one can talk about delivery, how quickly it came. You know, I can't believe that, can't believe that Christina uh, made this so quickly and it came to me, you know, it's uh, the order said three to four weeks and it came to me within a week. She's incredible. That's a great testimonial for that, right? Like when you talk about delivery, cool. So now if, I, if that was my main concern and I was like, I don't know if this is gonna get to me in time, great. Now I know like, at least I have more of an inclination to say, okay, I'm going to make the purchase today because uh, I need it. And it's probably going to get here in time. Like you went from, I don't think so to, Mm -hmm. okay, it should. Then you have the other one in terms of price, which is another logic thing. Um, So value. So in this one, it might say like, you know, I can't believe I got something like this at uh, such a good price. Diamonds are incredible. I would happily pay 10 times this. Cool. Because now that person goes, wow, such a great value. You know, this thing is going to look super expensive, but it wasn't that crazy expensive. And it's, it's a, it's going to be amazing. Right. Cause the opposite is cheap. Like no one wants to say you would hate a review that said, I bought this and this thing looks like crap. And I think that, you know, I should have bought this for a dollar and not a hundred dollars, you know? So whatever you can think or think of like a bad review, you want the exact opposite of that. You want them to say, I spent a hundred dollars on this and I would gladly spend a thousand, you know, or 10 X or whatever it is, or double even because it's so incredible. And then those are like the two biggest logic ones. And then the, the last one being something emotional, something that delves into their character, who they are, what they want to overcome, anxiety, depression, self body images, like all those things are triggers that people can, can say like, I felt, you know, less anxious. I felt, you know, suddenly my day got so much brighter, you know, whatever it is, like those are emotional triggers that make your buyer say, wow, this person is like me. And then Mm -hmm. they can purchase from there. And this is so back to the communication side of it. So I think a lot of Etsy sellers, you know, Etsy sends out like, thank you for your order. Etsy sends out your item shipped. And a lot of Etsy sellers are like, oh, Etsy does that for me, right? There's so much value in communicating with the customer yourself. Not only are you getting to know them. So a lot of stuff that you're talking about is learning. You you mentioned it as like your your avatar, Um, you know, ideal customer, dream customer. You'll hear it mentioned all different kinds of ways, but getting to understand them and the way that they, they think. And a lot of times when you start an Etsy shop, there's different ways you can approach this. You can create a, sp- a product for a very specific person and the way you market it attracts that person, right? 
or over time, yeah. especially since you're starting in an Etsy shop um, with not having to do a lot of the business side of it over time that evolves. So by communicating with customers, you start to notice what are the questions that they're asking me? Uh, what are the objections that may be coming up? What are some of the things that um, they're asking for, they're requesting? And you kind of allow that to evolve over time. But when it comes to, so one big part with that too, is I've heard, and, and let me know if you would agree with this or not, but I've also heard that when you open that line of communication, people are more likely to message you when they have an issue versus automatically just leaving a review. Is that correct? Yeah, that's 100% correct. And like, you know, and, and kind of going off what you were saying, what it really is, uh, comes down to is brand building, because eventually you want to get away, uh, if possible, from a, when they're, especially when the repeat buyers get away from like an Etsy shop, like an Etsy can be a fantastic way if you're not mm -hmm. doing paid advertising and stuff to get traffic, but you preferably would want them to stay away from Etsy because now there's, they're seeing a thousand other sellers uh, and they're going to, you want them to go to your website to continue to purchase next year's ring set or jewelry or whatever it is that you you create. Um, so the best way to do that is to, like you were saying, establish that, that personal connection. Um, I'll just use real estate again as an example, since it's mm -hmm. sort of a thing that's been on my mind lately. Um, let's just say as in this particular example, I am the broker. I'm the person who owns the realty company and um, you, know, you, you, Christina, are my agent. You're my sales agent, you're a realtor. If somebody comes to you and they have a great experience with you, they're not that they are going to go back to you when they want to sell the house, when they want to buy their second property or third property, or they're trying to make investment properties or whatever. The fact that it's Julio's Realty um, has nothing to do with it. You can move and just send them a quick message and say, hey, by the way, I am uh, going to John's Realty or Joanna's Realty company now. And guess where they're going? They're going to you. They're not going mm -hmm. to me. You know, they don't care about Julio Realty. They care about Christina. And so that is the importance of building that brand when it comes to your own personal uh, business. Like forget Etsy. You want to get away from Etsy. They're good as a stepping stone, as an mm -hmm. introduction piece, as a Great way to, to start. build your business. Right. But then you want them to be going to you directly mm -hmm. as the person that they go to when they think of, I want a ring, I want a bracelet, I want this, I want that, or their husband or boyfriend or spouse or significant other or lover, whatever, says, I want to go to this place because I know that she likes or he likes the jewelry here. I thought you were going to take that in a totally different direction. I thought you were going to say, you know, this is like Julio's business, right? And I'm an agent for mm -hmm. you. And eventually my goal one day should be, I say should be just because I... I personally am like, why does everybody not own their own business? Like who would want to work for somebody yeah. else? But in my mind, I thought you were going to go in the direction of eventually I should have Christina's broker business, right? Which mm -hmm. is kind of the way that I look at it in regards to Etsy. Etsy is a great place to start, but you want to build your brand on your own land, meaning you want to own right. your brand. You want to own your space and you do not own your space on Etsy. But when you can have that, Etsy traffic come in and you can communicate with that customer. You can build a relationship with them and then you can somehow get them, you know, when you move beyond Etsy and you have your own website, you can get them to become a return customer. And that's where a lot of that, I mean, the communication is just so important on so many, so many different levels. So my next question for you, 
is you talked about the Google sheet and that was a great way to like get potential testimonials that you could, um, or I'm sorry, Google, it's a Google form, right? Google form, uh, Google forms. Yeah. Yes. Where you can ask the questions, they can answer them. You can in turn, put those on your website. You can in turn, put those on your social media. It's great just, you know, to get constructive criticism, right. To understand like, you sure. know, what your customers 100%. want, but there's really no way that you can utilize that form in regards to actually leaving any kind of feedback on Etsy. Like they would have to go to Etsy specifically and leave that review. Right. Uh, yeah, correct. Okay. So what you could do is, um, if you're using, if you're using that as the outreach, an easy way to do it is have them fill out the form. And then usually the form will give you some sort of like condensed version of like mm-hmm. what, you know, a quick answers. You can then copy and paste it and either using Etsy in particular, uh, contact your customer and say, hey, would you mind, you know, here was your review of me. Would you mind posting it using this link? So you want to make it as easy as for them as possible as, mm-hmm. just, as opposed to just saying, would you mind, you know, finding my page on Etsy and finding the review section, you know, like just direct them directly to it. Now, the biggest reason for the forms though, now that's a great way to do it because you have some control, Mm -hmm. but a big reason for the form is to start using those for your advertising, for your social media and for uh, your website. So that's the, that's going to really be the thing as opposed to the Etsy, because again, you want to drive traffic to your website, you know, whether or blogs or whatever it is. So anytime you can take those and you have some really sexy ones, some really juicy ones that you're just like, wow, this really is like, you know, like this mm-hmm. is top notch testimonials. And you can put those, like I said, in your social media posts and all that. Those are going to continually drive traffic. So they're, they're, they are investments, you know, in a, in a sense, as opposed to um, worrying specifically just from a Etsy standpoint. So I just wanted to make sure I made that point clear because, yeah. you know, I don't want people to say, well, it's a lot of work for Etsy and I'm just going to leave that let them do it because I'm busy. It's like, you're not understanding. It's, you have to put in the work now, but once you get that piece of information, yes, it will help your Etsy shop if they do post it. But let's say they say, no, I'm not going to post it. That's a waste of my time. Fine. You're right. It didn't help your Etsy shop because you they can't post it um, or they didn't post it, but it can, you can still take that piece. It's still a testimony that they willingly mm-hmm. gave you. you can still put it on your social media. You can still put it on your website. You can still put it on, blogs and you know like you can use it for anything because they gave you permission to do it you can even hell you could put it on an opt-in and just put it as like quote the best jewelry i've ever ex- had mm-hmm. whatever end quote and then it can say see you know see my catalog uh where i have hundreds of other people that felt this way yeah whatever i know that's not the best copy but that's just something i just randomly came up with that little opt-in they're like oh it's a catalog i can see it they saw something, you know, somebody had a great experience that resonates with me, click email name, opt in, go. And now they're on your email list. Mm-hmm. It's going to help. Yeah. And that, that's also a great point too. Now, would you require them to, um, like when they go to leave a review on a Google form, would you require the email? Would you recommend putting a CTA for email sign up on that? Yeah. Uh, I think in the Google form, the first two things um, which are mandatory is like first name, name and email. email. Okay. Yeah. I don't use them. I'm not, so I can't I'm... remember a hundred percent if it's a hundred, if it's mandatory, I think that's right. make it mandatory, okay. but I, you know, I would probably would just so you have the ability to, to do that. That's interesting. I've never heard anybody. Um, like I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying in regards to like, whether it's on Etsy or a review in general, you can use it in so many other ways to build brand awareness or just anything in regards to that. Now, as far as, so Etsy still has snippets, I believe. 
And that's what, if you don't know yep. what a snippet is um, for the listeners out there, essentially you can create a pre-done response or a pre-done email. And then when you go to like, I used to have a spreadsheet and I would literally go in and type every single order into my spreadsheet every day. Like I just sat and did it morning and night. And then I had a box for like, you know, I thanked them for their order. I had a box for when their order shipped. And I just kept track of that, of that spreadsheet. And cause you do have to sadly with Etsy, you do have to go in and manually send this communication, but snippets do make it simpler and easy. So hmm. one thing, and I'm curious to think if you, I know for myself personally, sometimes I hesitate to leave. I always do it because I know how much it benefits a business, but sometimes I go to leave a review and I'm like, Hmm, I'm not feeling like inspired. Like, even though I love the product, I'm, I'm really not sure what to say. So could somebody potentially kind of take those same questions and say like, you know, Hey, your product shipped today, you know, please let me, I think I can't remember what mine said, but like, you know, please let me know if you have any concerns or questions in regards to your product once it's received. Um, if you had a great experience, you know, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review and I gave, I gave instructions on how to do that. Cause like you said, making the process yeah. as easy as possible for them. Could you put some of those questions in there and Hey, if you're not sure, you know what to leave, like here's some potential, like how, how can you approach it that way? Like in a sure. snippet and say like, Hey, maybe, maybe you can mention this, or can you kind of insert that in there to yeah. inspire them? Would that work at all? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So when you're when you're doing snippets like that, because I've had to do it very similarly, not in Etsy, but for other um, uh, sales techniques, mm-hmm. you can almost force a certain sort of testimonial by doing it that way. Uh, particularly if you need some that are like emotionally based or whatever, come up with one that's really good that you think, and then say like, "Here's one. Here's something." You can't force them, right? So you always want to say, "Here's an option." If you can, yes. you know, something like this would be ideal. Something like this would be great if you could fill out. Now, a few things I wanted to mention because they're just something that you you mentioned and it's so simple to do, but it's a technique that uh, we all tend to fall into in our writing is we, because as, as sellers, we want to be, we want to come from a place of service, right? But mm-hmm. we also need to be confident and strong. And so one of the things you said was like, if you've had, if you had a good experience, take the if out, it should be when you have, when you get it and you love it. You know, like little things like that. It needs to not be ifs or maybes or even the, you know, if you have any concerns, they shouldn't have any concerns. They, everything was great. They know to reach out to you. You can say like, I love, you know, when you, when this arrives, you know, and you uh, fall in love with it, feel free to reach out and let me know. Here's my direct email. Like they're going to message you regardless of uh because you gave them your information when they have an issue. You don't have to actually put it out there that, hey, there's a possibility that you just spent $1,000 on this and that's going to come in and it's going to be completely trashed. So hopefully I get back to you. It's like you want to just alleviate any and all concerns. And in sales, it's it's basically called reinforcing the sale, right? You're You're trying to really push the benefit of their purchase and say like, you just made a great decision. You won you are incredible and awesome and everything's going to go so smooth from here. Don't worry about a single thing. Every, I'm taking care of everything. I'm going to deliver this to you on a golden platter. Okay. That's great advice. Etsy has also at some point or another, when they go into reviews, it's now showing like you can click a button that says customer service and it will pull up reviews that mention customer service or shipping. And it will pull up reviews that mention 
anything about shipping. Do you know if Etsy's still doing that? Or if there's like a block set of words that they're doing, I might have to look into this and add it to the show notes, but um, cause yeah, I find that very, a, a great, very interesting. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know if they still are doing it. I did hear about that as well. Okay. Um, I think that's, it's another, just if, if nothing else, it just reaffirms what we've been talking about because even Etsy uh, this, you know, billion dollar company is understanding that from a keyword standpoint, from a, what are people having issues with standpoint, they mm-hmm. want to look at specific things as opposed to um, just, you know, pretty. And, and well, yeah. And Etsy isn't well. going to randomly pick those words. Etsy's going to pick words where they know that those are big objections that are coming, coming in for customers. Like they're not just going to randomly right. do that. Exactly. And so, and that actually brings up a really good point is like, especially if you're using the snippet technique that we were just talking about, make sure you have some SEO going, make sure you have some keywords that are, you know, uh, customer service, you know, I had some great customer service experiences or whatever. So that way, when, you know, if that is still a thing that Etsy's doing, you have some in your back pocket that can be posted that are, you know, people are seeing these customer service centric uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Julio. Can you tell everybody real quick kind of where they can find you? Are you, are you still at the copyidentity.com, correct? Yeah. So uh, I'll just, you know, in, in short, uh, I was, we were talking about this a little bit off air was um, so, you know, as I mentioned, my wife's active duty. And so she's taken a little bit of a step back. So we've been playing with the idea of uh, me just having my own site instead of it being copy identity. So I've been, I have been building one. Um, it's called Sales Conquest. Uh, I'll end up having that, you know, over the next few weeks in social media and websites and all that stuff. And I can give you the, um, you know, final address and stuff to link up if that's okay yeah, uh, later on. Notes. But yeah, but in general, um, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, if you want to uh, get some, uh, you want to debate me on some of these things or, uh, you know, just get some advice, get some coaching, whatever it is, uh, you can reach me at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you can reach me uh, at my personal email, which is Julio A. Chavez 116 at gmail.com. Now I will have, you know, a, a sales conquest you know, email eventually, but at the moment, uh, that's just my personal one. You can reach out to me and I'm more than happy to talk to anybody and help you all out. Yeah. So if you guys have any questions for him in regards to anything that we talked about in here, um, in regards to, I'm, I'm curious to learn more about what you're going to be offering with, um, sales here in the future. He is kind of in transition. So the, you can reach out with email and I will keep the show notes, um, also updated. So just let me know when, when you get some more concrete stuff on that, but thank you so much, Julio, for joining us. I, I really appreciate yeah. it. I had a lot of fun just chatting, chatting business awesome. with you. All right, Christina, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Are you ready for more clicks and more sales on your Etsy listing? Attract more customers and make them feel confident in purchasing from your shop with product photos that look professional, connect and communicate the most important information. Transform your Etsy listing product photos with the Etsy photo five day challenge at etsyphotochallenge.com. That's etsyphotochallenge.com.